You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week. You're listening to episode 129. What's up, Mark? Oh, Jake, we're so busy. Head toward the end of the year. We got new shows coming that we can't quite talk about. But let me just say that if you think of some of the biggest oil field service companies in the world and pick one that you would think would be an innovation leader, they're the sponsor of our new podcast that will be announced this year. And we have more shows. We got more on the works for you, too. So yeah, stay yeah. tuned, everybody. We got some really fun stuff coming. And once again, I'm going to apologize. Jake and I have not released a show on a regular basis. We're working on that. Uh, we actually did find a team member to start uh, editing these podcasts. We'll give him a shout out a little bit later in the show. So we're getting there, people. Just give us some time. Yeah, a lot of changes in the works, but all, all good stuff. Yeah, before we get into anything else, I want to talk about reviews real quick. If you want to support this show, and why would you not want to support this show? The easiest thing for you to do to help us is just give us a review in iTunes. We got two great ones this week. So, awesome show by Mark Oh Nawastaki. Uh, not, Nawa, Nawa Kawaski. I'm sorry, Mark, I put your last name. I think it was Polish and you made it Japanese. <laughs> uh, sounds like something I would do. I'm a new listener and a new worker in the industry straight out of school. This show has been a great way for me to begin learning the industry landscape and it translates directly to work. A perfect listen for the walk into work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. And then uh, excellent show by uh, OK Forerunner. Uh, it's a fast way to keep up with the industry. So see, folks, literally one sentence would make Jake and I happy and give you a shout out. So if you want to support the show, do me a favor, go leave us a review. This is the first Friday Q&A, and we have some questions that our audience have asked. We'll jump into the first one, Jake. All right. We have a question from Mike Rodriguez. He's a student. He writes, hey, guys, I'm a student about to go into college. I'm looking into the energy industry. What sort of internships are available for people who are just starting and no degree? In addition, I would uh, like to add that I will most likely be pursuing a degree in technology management or business management. Thanks. Yeah. So, Mike, reach out to me once you start school. I can probably help you get an internship with one of the big tech companies. Think of somebody like Accenture. But they usually only hire interns while you're in school, not in between high school and college, but once you start school. And they work with your schedule. But there's going to be a whole bunch of interns, internship possibilities for you, even though you're pursuing technology management or business. I mean, all of the major oil companies, um, all the service companies, all the companies that support those companies, all the tech companies, there's going to be no shortage of opportunity. So, And, and if, you're out, if you're listening to this and you're a student, the oil and gas industry loves internships. They, I mean, all of the major companies have internships and even the ones that got hurt by this low crude price they didn't eliminate their internships they just shrunk them down a little bit so this is a great industry to learn and even if you don't want to work in this industry the real world experience you get of having an internship while you're going to school just makes you that much more hireable when you when you get out is there i, I know obviously you have your newsletter for all the events going on in uh, oil and gas but is there any central location where people can go and look at internships no. i feel like this is a common question that we have yeah, no, not that I'm aware of. And if anybody out there is aware of that, let us know. We can help publicize that. It would make a, it would make a great thing for somebody to do. And the other thing, Jake, that I've seen is that these internships really are are spread by word of mouth more than anything. So you almost have to 
know somebody in, in the industry or know somebody that works for some of the companies. Now, the, the super majors, the Exxons and the Totals and the Shells and the VP and the Chevrons, they do advertise their internships on their website. In fact, they do a really good job of advertising way ahead of time. But still, unless you know exactly where to look and where to apply, it's, it can be a bit difficult. That's something that maybe if you're a tech company out there and you're looking at ways to promote yourself in oil and gas, come up with some way to scrape the web to find all these internships and then build a, a website for that. And you would get all kinds of attention, both by the oil and gas companies and by the uh, you know, smart kids looking to get an internship somewhere. That, that'd be a good business model somebody might jump into. Hey, if nobody does, maybe we'll put it on OGGN, right? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'd, be happy to th- we'd be very happy to throw it on OGGN and give you some exposure. But yeah, you would think there would be one central place, but there's just not. Interesting. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Mike. Up next, we've got a question from Eduardo Rodriguez de Silva. Yeah, he's an internal auditor. This is a little bit long, so bear with me. He writes, hello, guys. I've been listening to your great podcast since last year, and it is by far my favorite podcast nowadays. Since I started listening to the podcast, I believe just once y'all talked about the Brazilian oil and gas industry and the opportunities over there. The Brazilian economic team headed by finance minister uh, Enrique Morales I think that's how you pronounce it. Formal global executive from Bank Boston is putting the country back on track in the economic area. The current inflation rate for Brazil is 2.54% for 12 months ended in September 2017. Expected GDP for 2017 is 0.7% increase. And for 2018 is a 2.5% increase, putting an end to almost three years of economic recession. The central bank is also cutting the interest rates to a low-value history. Additionally, some laws were changed in order to give some more competitiveness to the industry. The Brazilian state-owned Petrobras is not obligated by law to be the operator with a minimum of 30% share in pre-salt fields and more relaxed rules for the local content policy. I'm giving that economic regulatory introduction because this Friday, Brazil will hold the first pre-salt auction since 2013. The expectation is that a lot of majors will bid and return their operations back to Brazil. Also, the Brazilian government receives payments in the amount of $2.9 billion just as bonuses. I'm not really sure what that's referring to. And he goes on and says, pre-salt fields are highly productive. Some wells are producing almost 40,000 barrels per day. That's extremely impressive. With the good oil quality and constantly cutting the operational cost year in and year out. As I said, I would like to know from you guys what you think about pre-salt fields, the future of deep water production, and the possibilities from Brazil in this field and so on. Let's start with that. Here's a, here's a second question. We'll, we'll start with that one. Yeah, so uh, uh, Bojia Eduardo, Il uh, Falo Portuguese Mutabi. I love Brazil. <laughs> I absolutely love the country. I love the people there, the best food, you know. And actually, Eduardo, I one of the podcasts that we've been asked to do that's kind of lower on the list, but we've still been asked is actually the Oil and Gas Brazilian podcast. So if you know of anybody that would be interested in helping us that, reach back out to me. Bunch of stuff going on here. Basically, when those deep salt layers were discovered, deep salt reserves were discovered, I had such high hopes for Brazil. They were become the economic powerhouse of Latin America. Petrobras was a huge believer in education and technology, and I expected Brazil just to zoom by everybody else and become a high-tech, very profitable, very you know, economically benefited to the people of Brazil. And what happened, Jake, quite honestly, is just plain old-fashioned human corruption. And so there's a lot of corruption in Petrobras, which is the state-owned oil companies, the national oil company, and they've cleaned it up, which just the fact they've cleaned it up is kind of impressive because it used to be they would say they would clean it up and nothing would actually happen. Nobody would actually go to jail. And this time people actually went to the jail, actually some very high-ranking people. That deep salt world is expensive and expensive oils could be dead for a very long time. But the 
fact that you're working with a state-owned company allows you to lower those costs in some ways that aren't necessarily free market competitive, but still allows you to lower those costs. So I think you could slowly see some of those fields come back online. Now, unfortunately, this question is a little bit old. The blocks that Brazil was put on auction, basically it fell short of, of expectations. The blocks were offered under a, a production sharing type of scheme where the whoever won it would, would basically split the production with the, the Brazilian government. And so they, they had some of those blocks go out and some were bought, but nowhere near the money they, that they thought would happen. And so they need this cash to reinvigorate Petrobras. Petrobras basically is run out of cash. And so, you know, Brazil produces about 2.6 or 2.7 million barrels a day. I think right now they need to double that moving forward. But Brazil's in, a, in an interesting place. Before they made these deep salt discoveries, it was so expensive to have hydrocarbons for fuel over there, gasoline, jet fuel, and diesel. So they built this whole infrastructure and machine around ethanol. And what people don't understand is in Brazil, the ability to use ethanol for fuel is much easier it is in the U.S. because there's an extra step here in the U.S. In Brazil, they use sugarcane, and they basically ferment the sugar distill it and now you have ethanol you can run for fuel in the u.s we don't do that we, we make it from corn so you have to malt that corn which is an extra step which adds cost and more uh, water and, and all kinds of other stuff but so brazil is able to run a lot of their automobiles on ethanol so they don't necessarily need the gasoline and the diesel or they don't have the same needs that you would think they have so the cool thing is if they actually can increase production if they get these these deep salt reservoirs, they get the blocks sold off. They actually can sell this in the global market and actually return a lot of prosperity back to the people of Brazil only if they can keep the corruption at bay. And, and Eduardo, looks like you're from Brazil with a, a Da Silva last name. You know as well as I do that the, one of the reasons that the corruption has been in Brazil for so long is the attitude of the people of Brazil. The people have to change their attitude toward corruption. They have to say that it's not okay to steal electricity, right? It's not okay that some politician got bought off. It's not okay for you to pay off the policeman so you don't get a ticket. And once the people change the way they think about corruption, the corruption will naturally be pushed out and everybody will benefit. And and Jake, I have high hopes that that's happening right now. I've like I never like I said, there's been some very high ranking people in Petrobras that go went to jail and ten years ago that never would have happened. So that, that's yeah. what I think about these these deep salt layers. You know, there's there's a future here. I think that future is going to be pushed out for a while because it's expensive oil, but I, I think eventually production will, will come back and I think the majors will come back and pump more money back in the Brazilian economy. So the, the the second part of his question is he writes also you guys are constantly talking about the Saudi Aramco IPO. Uh, I read an article in the Financial Times about the possibility that Saudi Aramco will cancel the international listing in favor of a private share sale, especially to foreign governments' funds. He put a link there. After clicking it, I'm not a member of Financial Times, so I would let me read it. I haven't heard anything about this, Mark. I don't know if you have. Yeah. So th there's a bunch of rumors around this, and in today's world, the the problem with the rumors is you never know. Is the rumor based on reality? Is the rumor intentionally put out there by the company to sway public opinion? It's something I think Apple does all the time, although they never admit to it. You know, before a new product gets released, you basically know what it is because of rumors. And I think Apple plays a hand in doing something on, on purpose to build up hype around stuff. Or are the rumors just off base, right? Somebody just made something up. So, you know, you're, you're looking at where there's some rumors where they may actually take the IPO off the table. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to take a large piece of Saudi Aramco and go go public with it. And and where they're going to go public with it or which markets are going to go public with, I don't know. I mean, they don't call me and discuss, you know, you know, their 
strategy with me, although they probably should. I think, uh, I think the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salim, should call me and let me help him with the strategy around their IPO. But, but anyway, I don't know where this is going to go. I really do think they're going to go, they are going to go public. They need the cash. They need the exposure. You know, Sir Aramco or Saudi Arabia, I should say, needs to make sure that it generates additional revenue streams other than the exportation of crude and natural gas. Uh, China has a lot of cash. China's looking really hard at this. You know, that money would be a lot. Now, honestly, they also go private with this. They could take the same listing and go to somebody like the China government and and sell a stake in in Saudi Aramco. I just don't think so. I think they, they need to get in the public eye. I think they need to have public trading. And I think that, you know, it would help bolster the exchange of other other Saudi companies, right? And then it would allow more and a more diverse group of foreigners to invest in Saudi Aramco, which would only help Saudi Arabia. And I think the Saudi citizens, the people that live in Saudi Arabia, would like the opportunity to buy into this national treasure. So I still think they're going public. I don't know. That's just an educated guess. Cool. Thanks for the questions, Eduardo. Up next, we have a question from Maria. She's a graduate student at Texas A&M University. She writes, howdy, I'm a graduate student studying geology and am preparing for a career in the oil and gas industry. What are some technical and or personal skills you have found to be invaluable in this field? Are there any skills you have refined through industry experience that you did not possess initially? Suggestions on ways or opportunities to develop this skill set would be much appreciated. Thank you. You want me to take this first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so when you say skills... And you say technical and personal skills. I'm going to come at this at two different levels. From a technical skill, you need to go learn big data in some form or fashion, even if it's only a class or two. If you're a geologist or a geophysicist coming out of school and you have a big data experience, you could be in high demand. If you don't, you could be one of the 500 looking for the same one job. I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to be cruel or cold or anything. That's just, that's just where I see this going. Personal skills. Learn how to get along with people, learn how to socialize, learn how to be helpful, learn how to question. Unfortunately, a lot of people that become engineers or geologists, they don't necessarily have the interpersonal skills that you take to a cocktail event, that you take to an event and they go go out and meet people. And the kind of cool thing about this, Maria, is if that's you, if you're a bit of an introvert or not naturally social, believe it or not, you can learn how to do it. I, I know personally, a lot of people I've helped learn this exact thing that, that it's not natural to them to go to a group of strangers and talk uh, like Jake and I love to do. You know, it's not something that, that becomes natural that they feel comfortable with, but if they get some help around it and there's actually classes out there in books and you start doing it, you basically fake it until you get good at it. You actually can develop those interpersonal skills and those interpersonal skills I think are as value in some ways, not more valuable than the technical skills you walk away with and, and bring it to the workforce. So that's my two cents on that. Yeah, I 100% agree on the technical side. Uh, getting some skills around big data and data science is going to help anybody in any field in this industry. Oh, not just in this industry, but I think a lot of different industries. And then also just being able to just really, really 10x your networking. Because even though there's the, the great crew change, we have a younger generation coming in. It always helps to know people. And me and Mark see this all the time. Just just having people kind of in your back pocket and all, all parts of the industry really, really helps because you never know when you're getting to call in a favor. Yeah. And, and the other thing, Maria, is this industry, even though it's global and large and, you know, huge tech, massive amounts of steel and, and heavy equipment, all that stuff. It's still an industry of people doing business with people. I see this on a daily basis. I mean, I had a lunch today with somebody that's a, an executive with a very senior company out there. He just wanted to catch up. Right. And so we caught up. I let him know what's going on in my world. He let me know what's going on in his world. He's a resource for me and I'm a resource to him. And, you know, whether we only see each other once a year, our relationship started five years ago at an event at a cocktail event where I stuck my hand out and introduced myself, you know? And so 
that's the sort of stuff I think is so super valuable. Yeah. All right. Up next, uh, we have a question from, uh, I think it's Euler Reyes, the student at University of Houston. He writes, I'm a senior petroleum engineering student at the University of Houston. I've been involved in the World Petroleum Council, SPE and SHPE. I have a question and an event I'd like to let you guys know about. First question, would there happen to be a special student pricing for the API luncheon on the 14th? And the answer to that is yes. And I actually met Euler in person at the event. So if you're a student okay. out there, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Basically, you reach out to Shannon and say you're a student and you get a special rate. I don't know what it is. I think the normal rate is $35 for lunch. I think the student rate's half of that. But you know, we'll put a link where you can reach out to Shannon. So if you're a student, yes, we always give you a break on the price because we know that when you're in school, $35 could be a lot of money. And the event that he wanted to share is November 16th. So this is actually tomorrow. So... Hopefully, we can fire out this episode quickly. From 5.30 to 7 p.m., uh, UH Energy will be hosting an energy symposium titled Permium and Peak Demand, Death of OPEC. And that sounds like that there. would make a good movie. Serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll put the link in the show notes. Hopefully, we can get this uh, edited and launched uh, prior to tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, what's next, Jake? Uh, we have a question from Tim Lamb. He's an infrastructure engineer at Noble Drilling. He writes, hi, listen to your podcast uh, episode 56 regarding rig zone. I found that I have won the Red Wing offshore bag. I checked my work email and personal email and I've not seen anything to claim the prize. I believe I registered the sweepstakes using my personal email, which he put there. Uh, any information you give me will be helpful. Yeah, so I wonder if he actually meant episode 56. I don't know. <laughs> or not. Wait, 56? That's a long time ago. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Unless saying. he's talking about a different podcast, the HS&E podcast, maybe. Because you know we got Perhaps. a whole family of podcasts. So I actually reached out to Tim. He's fine. I'm glad he sent this email. We get this sort of thing a lot. That's why I put this question here. I know you want your Red Wing offshore bag because all your friends would be jealous and you want something that nobody else has on the planet except other listeners to the podcast if they won. Here's how it works. When you win, it usually takes about two weeks for Red Wing to reach out to you via email. And they'll reach out to you via email and get your mailing address. Once they get your mailing address, they'll mail you your bag, which takes another two weeks. So typically, when you win a bag and you hear it on the show, it's going to be a month before you have that bag. Now, what's real important is whatever email address you use is one that you check. I know a lot of people will put a generic email, a Hotmail or Gmail or Yahoo because they don't want spam. You really should put your work email address. I promise you, Red Wing will not spam you. Promise you. And if you have your work email address and it pops up right away and you can hurry up and get your mailing address to him so you can get your Red Wing offshore bag. So, yeah, Tim, thanks for reaching out. I just happened to know Tim did get his bag and he is the king of noble drilling right now because nobody else has the bag in noble drilling but him so congratulations tim next question and i think this is our last question for the day uh we have a question from john leesmeyer who's a project manager at anadarko he writes love the podcast and you have a whole gaggle of listeners here two quick questions what do you think the solution to this soon to be happening shortage of talent is going to look like and mark when are you going to release your oil and gas predictions for 2018 please keep up all your great work so i have a prediction about john i bet he's a hunter you want to know why I say that? Why is that? Because a gaggle is what a group of geese is called, not a flock. It's a gaggle of geese. The only <laughs> I don't have enough to know that. The only people that know that are hunters or like biologists. So he's either a biologist or a hunter. And the fact that he works at Antarctica makes me think he's a hunter. <laughs> good, good questions here. What do I think the shortage of talent is going to look like? Jeez. First thing, it's real. There's no way to get around it. It's coming at the oil and gas industry like a freight train and, and you just can't get out of the way. It's going to hit you square in the face. A bunch of things here. So I think you're going to see some technology solutions by force. I think companies are not going to be able to find bodies to do the work. So they have to bring in technology. That's actually, I think, good in a lot of ways. 
Um, I think you can see the oil and gas industry realize it has a huge problem and they are, their public image is part of it and they have to do a better job of their public image so that young people that normally go work in aerospace or, you know, defense work or, you know, big box retail or medical or whatever will look at oil and gas as a viable occupation, a viable place to work. Because unfortunately, a lot of young people outside of Houston and Rio and Kongsburg and Aberdeen, they don't think the oil and gas place is a cool place to work. And, and we need to change that public perception. And if we don't, there, there literally is not enough bodies in the pipeline to, to, to fill the need. I think you're going to see a bit of a war on talent. I think you could see certain things, the price goes through the roof. And I think you see some of that really soon. I think you can see jobs created that didn't exist before in our industry. And so we'll be able to tap into other parts of the talent pipeline because the jobs are so specialized, you know, augmented reality, right? There will be a, a handful of people that are really good at building the interface for augmented reality and the oil and gas industry is going to need those people. They're going to need those people because they ha can't hire enough experienced field techs. So they need augmented reality to go with the field tech on his wearable. So it tells him what to do, what valve to turn, what not valve to not turn. That's going to be all brand new. So all that process is going to be new. I think you could see a lot of senior people come back and be able to help, right? And they're going to help using technology of some sort. So they may still be at home. They may be retired, but they're able to take their experience and pass it on to these younger workforce that's coming. And bottom line, you can see the oil and gas industry, at least here in Europe, probably have either the second or the first youngest workforce in 10 years. You can have more young people in this industry than, than any other vertical, I think. And, and I don't think we have a choice. So that's, that's kind of what I see as far as talent. What do you see, Jake? I kind of have my own predictions uh, about this. You and I and uh, Patrick talked about this kind of for, I don't know, what, 30, 45 minutes the other day at your house. And I think one of the solutions to this or maybe some solution needs to be created to, to enable this would be, you know, perhaps companies don't need full-time employees all the time for maybe they just need somebody 20% of the time. And I think at least for things that are back office type jobs, you know, where you're, where you're going to be at the computer all day, not necessarily you're on site. Maybe that's an option eventually too, but having some kind of solution out there, very similar to what software developers are using or marketing freelancers are using, I mean, you know, websites like Upwork, where people are able to essentially freelance and work for multiple companies at the same time. And I think something like that needs to exist in the oil and gas industry, which would allow people to you know, work multiple jobs at a time and take as much work as they would like at the rate that they would like. And then also that would allow companies to, you know, save money, but not necessarily having, I mean, you have people that you need, but you don't, maybe you don't need them full time. And plus it would give them, I mean, with technology these days, imagine if you had crowdsourced essentially reviews of people and you have people's portfolios of things that they've done and recommendations. And, you know, I think it would, I think it'd be a great solution for you know, for the oil and gas industry, would completely change the way you know work is actually done. At least, at least back office work for for this example is done in the industry. Yeah, and I venture to say it, it's the people in the field will apply to them too. I've been saying this for a while that we're going to end up with a very flexible workforce. One of the barriers to that is that nothing's standard. So if you're an engineer for Exxon, all the stuff that you design in the Gulf of Mexico is different than what the engineer designs for Chevron, which is different than what they, the engineer designs for Anadarko. And I think two years ago, the major operators signed a memorandum of understanding about standardization offshore. Now, they're doing it to drive prices down. But once that rig, that once that Chevron rig is the same as Anadarko rig, or once those trees for Shell are the same trees that 
you know, log uses. Well, then if you're a deep sea, deep water engineer, you can work on both those trees, regardless of what company, because they're the same tree. It's standard. So I, I think you're right. I think we see a very flexible workforce in our industry. I don't mean inner. I mean, it's almost, we almost, we have no choice, but I think it's just good for the industry. And then Mark, when are you going to release your oil gas predictions for 2018? I've been hearing this for the last three months. They're going to be released this month in November. We'll release the video and the blog post first on Modal Point, And then Jake and I will do a show about it. This year's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm going, like I always do, I'm going to go out and limb a couple of places and everybody's going to call me crazy. And let's see, by the end of 2018, let's see if I'm right or not. But yeah, John, it, but sometime this month, they'll be out. Just pay attention to the Modal Point blog. It'll, it'll be coming out soon there first. Cool. And that about wraps up all the questions for this month's First Friday Q&A. So if you have a question that you want answered, uh, we'll be doing another First Friday Q&A beginning of December. So just write in. There's a link in the show notes. You can go in there, write in your question, and we'll be glad to answer that for you. Yeah. And Jake, we have a winner. Yes, we do. Andrew Campolongo, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a drilling field coordinator at Rex Energy Operating Corporation. So congratulations, Andrew. You're this week's winner. If you want to win your own Red Wing bag, just go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast uh, for your chance to win the offshore bag from Red Wing that nobody really has unless you actually went on the show. Yeah. So... And then I want to give a big shout out to David Studio. If you notice, the quality of our audio has gotten much better, and it's gotten much, much better than me doing it. <laughs> yeah, and it's gotten much better because we now have a professional audio engineer as part of our team. Now, Emin is the name of our audio editor, even though his studio is called David Studio. Great work, and he has a special uh, offer to any of our listeners out there that want to start their own podcast. If you put OGGN in the beginning of the message you reach out to him on, he'll give you a discount on your first editing of your podcast. So it does great work. Big shout out to David. I mean, if, if you're thinking of getting a podcast, reach out to David. He's very, very good at what he does and it's not expensive at all. And he'll make your, your audio sound great. Just like he makes our audio sound great. And we'll put a link in the show notes out there to his Facebook page and to his email address. So you can reach out to him directly. And then what's the weekly rig count doing, Drake? We are up 1% since last week. We're sitting at 1,014 rigs. Yeah, my 1300 is looking like it's not going to happen, huh? Oh, well. Probably not. I think you're going to come up about probably 260, 270 short. I need to cook the book somehow. I need to figure out how to hack it and drill, <laughs> and drill into the system and cook the book so I can say I'm right. And then we have, what events do we have coming up? Let's see. We have uh, next week is uh, Thanksgiving, but the week after that, you and I, I think, are speaking at University of Oklahoma and then we have Oilcom and Clean Gulf coming up in December. If you'd like to learn about these events and other events, it's really simple. we got a, a monthly newsletter. Jake put a link in the show notes. Uh, just gives you your email address. And once a month, we send this uh, newsletter out with all the oil and gas events, plus invitations and stuff that's not public. And plus sometimes free passes or discounts or whatever. So go sign up for that. Everybody finds it really useful. If you like this show, you're part of our community. If you listen to the show, you are our community. Help us help our community share the show and do the all company email blast. Tell your friends, your relatives, coworkers, share us on social media. All that does is help grow your peers and, and help grow the community that you're part of. And we appreciate that. And then a quick shout out to our on the road sponsors, uh, total land, the world's most advanced field lane management system. And then Lee heck Harrison, global experts in talent management. Both these companies allow our travels to happen. We are doing things different for 2018. So we're not going to have an 
on the road sponsors. We're going to have event sponsors. So if you'd like to get your company in front of a large global audience, it's actually much cheaper than on the road sponsor. It's much easier. Uh, we have, I think, 47 events we're going to in 2018. A lot of them are still open. It's basically $4,200 to be an event sponsor. You get all kinds of cool stuff. Mention all the podcasts, you get videos, you get interviews, blah, blah, blah. So if you have your company, if you're interested in that, reach out to Jake or I. I'd be happy to share details. And if you'd like Jake and I to come speak at your school, your civic association, your gun club, whatever, uh, reach out to Jake and we'd be happy to yeah, happy to share those details as well. And then we, Jake talked about the first Friday Q and A. Uh, give us your questions. We have two other podcasts, Oil and Gas Industry Leaders with Paige Wilson, Oil and Gas HSE with Patrick Pister. And we got several really cool shows literally in the works. We're signing contracts now. So stay tuned. And we're going to find out about those new shows first on Oil and Gas Global Network, our LinkedIn group. So if you want to know, make sure you go sign up on LinkedIn. If you want to know second, which is still important, go to our website, Oil and Gas This Week, and give us your email address. We'll never spam you, but the people on that list will find out second about the new stuff we're, we're doing. And that about wraps it up. Got anything else, Jake? That sounds about it, man. All right. So, folks, remember, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.